go with me to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. And I want to share with you a, a message today that the Lord has put on my heart that's uh, different from before. We'll see how long we stay on this particular message. But let's go ahead and pray before we get started here this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you so much for this opportunity to study your word, to hear from heaven. We do acknowledge you today as our teacher, as our guide, as the one who helps us in everything. You are the reason that we live. And Lord, we ask you to speak to our hearts today. Give us divine revelation and understanding of truth. We give you thanks. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Colossians chapter 2. And this morning, or 3 actually, this morning I want to... Uh, start this new message, like I said, I, I entitled it, Taking Off the Limits, all right, Taking Off the Limits, and I believe that many of us have limited ourselves and limited what God is, can do in us and through us, but we're about to rip it off, take the lid off, <laughs> take the ceiling down, <laughs> and go up higher, and experience more of what we've uh, than what we've ever experienced before colossians chapter 3 and verse 23 323 says and whatever you do do it heartily as to the lord and not to men how are we to do it heartily another translation niv says it this way whatever you do work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. We are to do it with all of our heart. He said in verse 4, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. And so the way that we approach all that we do or whatever we do ought to be with the Lord in mind. Many times uh, people do things for other people. Your job might be for another person, for a corporation. Whatever you do, it might have other people involved, but we are not to think of whatever we do as just being for another person. He said, do it as unto the Lord and not unto man. Implying that we might not do it quite so heartily if we're doing it unto men, but if we acknowledge God in everything, if we do, our, do whatever we do unto Him, it will change the attitude with which we do it. Okay, The Lord is watching everything we do and we need to act with that in mind, knowing that what you're doing, He's watching. You're doing it for him. Now, obviously, if a person can do something with all their heart, it must be possible to do it with part of their heart. Have you ever done something with part of your heart? I think we probably all have, but the, the word here is whatever you do, do it with all your heart. Don't give a half hearted effort. Don't do a half job for uh, whoever it is or whatever you are doing, but do it with all your heart. It's also possible, I think, to do something 
without putting your heart into it at all. It's possible for us to go through the motions, to do something from a technical standpoint. We did the job, but we didn't do it motivated from the heart within. And that is what matters with God. How many know he is a, he's a heart guy? Okay. Doesn't mean that the actual getting of something done is irrelevant, but it's more relevant that our heart be in something. I think even if someone uh, uh, doesn't get done what they intended to do, but they had a heart to do it. Maybe for some reason something happened and they weren't able to do what uh, was in their heart to do for the Lord, but their heart wanted to. I think they get credit from God. Because God looks on the inside, whereas man looks on the outside. And we are to do everything we do with all of our hearts. Now, now look with me at 2 Kings today. 2 Kings chapter 13. Second Kings, as they say down under, 13. Anybody from Australia? 13. Second Kings 13 and verse 14 says, Elisha had become sick with the illness of which he would die. Then Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over his face and said, O oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. And Elisha said to him, Take a bow of some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, Put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on it. And Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. And he said, open the east window and he opened it and Elisha said shoot and he shot and he said the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria for you must strike the Syrians at Aphek till you have destroyed them then he said take the arrows so he took them and he said to the king of Israel Strike the ground. So he struck three times and stopped. And the man of God was angry with him and said, You should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. Now, sometimes in their day, Whenever they were about to go to battle and go uh, about to engage in a conflict, hostilities were oftentimes proclaimed by a herald, and sometimes a king or a general would make a public or formal discharge uh, of an arrow into the enemy's country. So shooting the arrow out there was a declaration of, you guys are in trouble. We're about to come on you with full force and we're about to clean your clocks, all right? We're about to come out there and do some damage. And so when Elisha directed Joash to do this, to shoot the arrow out there, 
it was very much known because of course the prophetic word came there right after that he was to wipe them out completely and they knew by him shooting out there towards the east that that was a declaration of war that God was going to be you can see how how uh, the prophet Elisha put his hands on top of Joash's hands signifying that this would not just be uh, in the strength of man or in the strength of the king but this would be by the by the spirit of God remember the scripture that says not by might nor by power but by my spirit says the Lord in other words not by the might of horses and chariots or natural means or natural weapons and methods would uh, deliverance come but through the mighty hand and delivering power of God and he put his hands on him to signify that God was getting involved in this battle and about to bring deliverance about to bring victory to Israel and so Joash knew exactly what was happening he shot the arrow and then the the prophet came and told him this is what this is about here this is what's happening how many know uh, you know it might sometimes we see things as symbolic and I know there's a lot of symbolism in the Bible there's types and shadows but I, I really I really believe that when uh, when a man of God anointed by the spirit does something there it's more than just symbolic you know, when it comes to things in our day, I believe that communion is more than symbolic. I believe that water baptism is more than symbolic. In other words, yes, they do represent something, the blood and the body of the Lord, identifying with Christ in His death, burial, and resurrection. They do symbolize that, but there's also a delivering power. There's also a reality of God's presence and anointing that manifests when we do these, quote, symbolic acts in faith. And likewise, when the prophet did this, I believe there were, yes, it was symbolic of God coming through to help, but also there was probably a, uh, a transfer of God's spirit and anointing for, uh, upon that leader to lead them to victory during that time. But when they went on here, and he said to strike the ground, how many know Joash knew what they were doing okay he already knew because he shot the arrow got the word of the lord about deliverance from syria how god was going to bring the victory and he knew that this was in connection with this and he didn't really seem to be real excited about it because there was a reason why the prophet was angry with him why elisha was upset when he took you know and he you know he struck the ground Gave it his little three smacks. And he said, what are you doing, man? You should have hit the thing at least five or six times. If you would have, you would have cleaned them out and wiped them out completely. There would have been complete deliverance. But now, well, you'll have three victories. Then they'll be hanging around. They're still hanging around, aren't they? <laughs> they would have taken care of them. But it seems that Joash's lack of enthusiasm revealed the faith that he had to, for complete and total victory how many know god had both the will and the power to give them complete victory can't we see here that what what god really wanted god wanted them to have complete victory not just win in three battles he wanted this thing, this war to be settled for once, them to be completely wiped out, and Israel to have victory over them from then on out. That was the will of God. That was revealed through the prophet. Okay? Right? That was the will of God. Did he have the ability to bring that to pass? 
Oh, God is strong in might, strong in battle. He had the will, he had the ability to give them complete victory. But what happened is they were limited. God was limited in what he could do by Joash and by, uh, by the approach that he took towards this battle and by the response that he gave or the lack of great response that he gave towards the word of the Lord. When God speaks, whether it's through a written word in the B-I-B-L-E or through prophetic utterance, it's important that we take that thing and take it serious and lock down with it and say, okay, hit the ground. You, you better keep hitting until someone says stop. That's the attitude. That's the demeanor we are to take concerning everything that God has for us. Whatever we do, we do it with all of our hearts. Not just, okay, is that good enough? Good enough? No. No. It's not good enough. Okay? And many times we limit. We might ask ourselves the question, how many victories will we win? Well, it depends on how we respond to the Lord's directives. With what attitude we have, with what faith we have, with what degree of enthusiasm we have towards the things of God, that will determine whether God's perfect will, whether His best and the most that He has to offer will be manifest through us, and whether we come into complete victory or we just, you know, score a few points here, get a few victories here, knock off a few, uh, you know, enemies here and there or whether we walk in the fullness of this and have it long lasting and our children benefit those beyond us benefit because we didn't just piddle paddle on the ground a few times we said God has spoken and I'm going to strike and I'm going to go for it and I'm going to give it everything I have I'm going to hold nothing back if you want me to stop you better interrupt me because when God says move I'm going to move that is the attitude. I believe it's important that we have that attitude going into this year. And uh, listen, God can handle anything you and I can think of. If you can believe it, if, you can, if you've got a vision for it, I want you to know you can't outvision the Lord. You can't have a vision where he go, <laughs> where you catch him off guard and he, <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> you want to do what? <laughs> where you catch him and he thinks, he, and he's thinking, you know, that's a little bit big. What goal? Who do you think you are? Quite the contrary. When someone has, uh, has the audacity to have a great big vision, to do a whole lot. And your vision, is, of course, because we're Christians, it always is involving the kingdom of God. Okay? But your part, it might be even just building a great business. That could be a vision from the Lord. You say, I want to have a, I have a vision to build a great thing and do, have my business do great things for the kingdom of God. You're not out thinking God. The very fact that you have something that other people question and other people say, whatever, that's kind of a little bit overboard there, don't you think? That's probably an indication that it is from God. <laughs> hmm. Listen, if, if what you want to do with your life, you can figure it out. And you can gather up enough resources to pull it off. I think you're operating in the flesh. Because if you can do it without the Lord, it's not big enough. Come on, we're, we're children of God. I'm not a child of Mickey Mouse. Come on now. 
I believe God wants to do big things in me. He wants to do big things in you and through you. And if you can figure out every way to make it work, it's time to start praying and dreaming and letting God show you new and glorious things so he can do something in you that you'll have to say, you know what? That was bigger than I could have ever done myself. You'll have to step back and say, man, that was God. That was God. There's no way I could have pulled that off. His favor, his grace, his blessing, his handiwork is operative in my life. And that's the only way this has come to pa- can come to pass. So if you're thinking big, good. If you're thinking, I don't know how in the world I'm ever going to accomplish this, good. You're on the right track. You're stepping into a place where you have to get out of the flesh and get into the realm of the Spirit. Praise God. Amen. Listen, I believe, I, I was praying, thank God for prayer, and, uh, and I believe this year, this coming year, there's going to be some areas where God is taking His people into a realm where they operate in the spirit realm as if it were the natural realm. In other words, people, th- you want to be involved in this? You can. There will be people who are as, as knowledgeable and as skilled in spiritual things as there are people who are as knowledgeable and skilled in natural things. How many know you can, you can train and you can study and people can build great things? They can, in construction or, and art, and, and, all, and they can create some amazing electronics and software. People are creative, coming up with some stuff. They've trained, they've learned, they've applied themselves, and they're very good at that. And this is also happening in the spirits, happening even now. It's going to even increase this next year. There'll be more and more people who are so precise in the spirit. Come on, they're going to be high definition in the spirit. The the details. They're going to be able to operate and get things done and see things more clearly than they've ever seen. You'll see see knowledge coming from heaven, knowledge coming from above, revealing things that people have not seen before. People will operate. They'll be great. There'll be more visions. There'll be more revelations and understanding of, of the spiritual realm than people have had in the past. And I tell you what, we're up to the task, aren't we? We're going to step in this and walk in this and and enjoy the fruits and benefits of it, which is going to be the deliverance of people, which is going to be the salvation of souls, which is going to be God Himself doing a work in our lives, in us and through us. Get ready to go. Come, I'm, t- I'm speaking to you by the Spirit of the Lord here that God is about to do some things in, 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 in this place and really anywhere that, that will yield to His Spirit because they're going to happen. Amen? And, and you know me, I, I'm not real big on God's about to do because I believe really strong and God has done. And I don't ever want us to get, a, uh, get into the mindset where we're waiting on the Lord to do something new. He's already provided our complete and total salvation and redemption. We can have what we say today according to Mark eleven twenty three, And we can operate in these things now. But there are times and seasons in the Spirit and in the kingdom of God where he'll, he'll reveal more. He'll do more. He'll show us new things. He'll lead us into areas where we, maybe we've been deficient in the past. And I know this concerning my own life. If, you, if I were to go back 10, 15 years, there were things that I was doing in ministry and I wasn't as skilled as the way I am today in some areas there were some things I can see clearly now and I can do more proficiently I can hear more precisely from the Lord that back then I couldn't do and the very fact that that's happened in me I know how much about how much potential is there more for the future and for what can happen I know where I've come from and where I am and I know there's so much more where I can go that's true with you that's true with all of us oh we got good days ahead of us come on if we're pursuing him and looking forward to God moving there are no limits to what what can happen but that's why we're teaching this we must take the limits off 
We must remove any kind of barriers or boundaries that, has kept, that have kept us from walking in the fullness of what God has for us today. God can handle anything. He's a big God. If you can believe it, God has more than enough power and resources to bring it to pass. Amen. I remember I was sitting in a meeting last year, last year in October, and a, and a minister said, it really stuck out to me, of course, being in our circumstances situation, he said, God doesn't care how much it costs. Amen. And, it, you know, sometimes it's just a little simple word like that, and it'll resonate with you. And I thought, yeah, obviously I had been thinking about how much land costs. <laughs> and I went out, we say, what'd you do? I went out of that meeting saying, God doesn't care how much it costs. <laughs> Yay! How many know he's not intimidated by the word million or tens of millions or billion? It's like, whatever. People think, we almost worship at the mighty name. That's $10 million. Man, don't give it so much respect. It's just stuff. It's just money. It's just a tool to get the kingdom of God expanded and advanced to get the gospel out. There are no limitations to, in, in God's power and ability. But when it comes to us, this is where we've got to take off the limits. In fact, look, at, look with me at Psalm 78. Psalm chapter 78. There are different ways that people can limit the Lord. In fact, we should probably deal with that concept first in case some are tripping over that statement at all uh, about limiting God. Um, Psalm 78, you can see this even if this scripture didn't state it like this. You can see it through different examples. But in Psalm 78, well, the one in First Kings over there was one example of it. Uh, verse 41. Verse 41. It said, yes, again and again. This is Israel in the wilderness. They tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. How did they do it? They tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Now, now when we talk about limiting God, how many understand that you and I do not have the ability or the power to, uh, to limit Him on a, as far as what He's able to do in Himself? God is all-powerful. And I'm not going to change that, okay? God knows everything. He's all-knowing. He's omnipresent. I'm not going to, by any of my actions or lack of actions or faith or lack thereof, going to change who He is. But what I have the ability to do is limit Him in regards to my life, okay? I have the possibility of, of limiting Him with my own small thinking, with my own lack of believing what He is able to do in me. It's one thing to say, God can do anything. He's all-powerful. It's another thing to say, God can do anything in me. That He's all-powerful and He can get this vision accomplished in my life, through me. He can use my hands. He can use my eyes. He can use my words and get it done. See, that's a whole other thing. Right. It's one thing. It's like uh, like we mentioned earlier, Mark eleven twenty three. It's one thing to say, I believe all that God says. Well, fine. If you do good, good for you. But the scripture said there that if you want to move, if you want to move mountains, you have to believe what you say. And so it's not just, well, I believe what God says. OK, but what about if you say what God says? See, Jesus said you would have whatever you say. He didn't say you would have whatever God said. 
And so our faith and our confidence in God must not be limited to where I think God or I believe God can do anything. It comes down to I believe he can do it today in me and through me now. All right, and that's where we really need to step up. I don't want to just be theoretical and God can do anything, but I never see anything done. God is all powerful, but I never see any power. What's that worth? What kind of testimony is that? We're just a bunch of words. We're just a bunch of talkers. Blah 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 blah. A lot of people talking these days. We got mediums. We got YouTube, and we got television. We got a lot of people yapping, yapping, yapping. Everyone's blogging, and everyone's giving their opinion. And big whoop de doo. We can talk and be just join in, chime in with all the many voices out there, or we can speak and things happen, or we can talk and God moves, and that's what makes the difference. That's what makes the difference. It's not just an intellectual argument we have. Come on, this is substantive. This is the real thing, the power of God. And so they limited God. That's just an amazing thought, that you could shut down God. You could short out the power. Get your cables crossed, and God's power is no longer working in your life. Well, it's not because something's wrong with the power source. Something's oftentimes wrong with the receptacle. Okay, And sometimes we need to make sure that we are in a place, and we're going to cover some of the areas in, in, as we go along on how we can short-circuit the, the ability and power of God from coming to pass in our lives. But understand that we oftentimes limit God, and sometimes it's just through small thinking. They limited God, of course, through unbelief. They grieved Him. They provoked Him. And you can see some of the things. Uh, but, uh, but many times, just through small thinking, that happens. We need to take the limits off God by taking the limits off ourselves. And vice versa. Take the limits off ourselves by stop, trying to, by stop limiting God and what He can do. Okay? Let's remember the vastness of His ability. Don't forget who you serve. Don't forget. We're not just serving you know, a natural leader, a natural king or ruler or, or just a great charismatic personality. We're serving almighty God. Take a look at the universe now and then. Go outside at night on a clear night. Look at the stars. Look at, look at eternity. Come on, look at the vastness of what all God has created. Let your vision shine. Come on, you remember when, when God appeared to, to Abram and told him about he, he would make him a mighty nation. He would make his seeds his seed as the sands of the seashore, as the, as the stars in the sky. And the Bible says that when a, uh, Abram went out and he looked, that he believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. He looked up and said, okay, I'll take you at your word there. His faith was, was stirred and brought into motion when he acknowledged the greatness and vastness of what God had said. And he caught a vision for what God wanted him to do. Then God said, good, good, you're just, you've been justified in my sight now by the faith that you've expressed. And sometimes we need to start to see what God really wants us to do. And so we're a child of God. Amen. And, and, and this is the attitude I believe we need to have. Going into uh, this new time, going into the future of our lives, when God says jump, jump high. When, when, when the Lord says pray, pray fervently. You know, when the Lord says whatever He says to you, do so with all of your hearts. Do it with everything on the inside of you, knowing that you are tapping into His very resources. We could talk about, again, the Scripture said in Colossians, whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. What do you mean? Well, if you're going to clean, scrub it, man. Get it clean. 
And we can't have an attitude towards the things of God that, oh, okay, that's pretty good. That's, that's good enough. We can't have good enough or, or we can't have a, a whatever type of attitude towards the things of God. All right. When, when, it's, when God's involved, it's not, oh, whatever. No, this is my life. This is the reason I live. He gave his life for me and I serve him wholeheartedly with everything that's in me. I'm going to give it my all. I mean, if you were in heaven and, and uh, you stopped by the Lord's house one day and let's just pretend things got dirty because I don't think they do. Uh, but the Lord Jesus walked up to you and said, hey, would you mind, you know, cleaning up here? We just had a great meeting. And, uh, and, uh, and, you know, people tracked in some mud. And uh, would you mind cleaning the floor? Uh, and, of course, you would say, oh, well, yes, Jesus, I'd be glad to do that. Uh, but would you just go and, you know, get out the broom or the mop and just kind of, all right, that's good. That's pretty good. I mean, it's going to get dirty again tomorrow. So, you know, just kind of brush it into the corner. I don't think we would do that, but I think sometimes maybe we do that. We do that, not think, well, we, we think, well, that's good enough. It's, it's okay. I mean, it's fine. It's just going to get that way again. It's not a big deal. If I'm doing something for the Lord, I'm going to be able to eat off the floor. Are you listening? Because this is for Him, not just as unto man. And so, listen, whatever you do, whether we're talking about serving in the church, if you're going to usher ush for the lord you know what i'm talking about ush with all your heart <laughs> and do it heartily as unto the lord because i got to tell you the truth he is paying attention and he is seeing when someone is doing something from their heart or someone is just kind of going through the motions and kind of yeah, that's that's good enough come on if we're doing things for the lord we're improving ourselves if someone's going to sing come on sing baby <laughs> let it rip Learn your stuff. Learn, improve yourself. Get better and better because you're doing it for the Lord. If you're going to teach and, and whatever you, you can think of, master that thing if it's for the Lord. Get it down. Make yourself th do the best that you could possibly do because it's for Him. I, I really believe the effort that we give towards what we're doing today will determine what we'll be, we, we will be given to do tomorrow. And I'm talking about tomorrow in this life and tomorrow down the road in the millennial reign that w with what attitude and what commitment and how many times we're going to hit the ground that determines where we go tomorrow god is watching he's seeing what we're doing with what's been put on our plate today and if we're taking care of business don't think that you're doing it in vain man say i've been giving my whole heart to this and not seeing much listen it's only a matter of time it's only a matter of time. You think God, ha God has, has a blind eye or a deaf ear to what you've been doing and your commitment towards Him? I tell you, no, not the case. And He shall, in this time, return manyfold what you've given, and you'll begin to prosper, and you'll begin to see the handiwork of the Lord beginning to manifest in your life shortly. Praise God. Praise God. And so whatever we do, we're doing it with all our hearts. Maybe you work a job today that's beneath your vision. Maybe it's not really what you see yourself doing. Maybe it's not, you know, I thought I could do more. I thought I would accomplish more. I thought I'd make more money. I thought I'd accomplish more things. And you're doing something that just seems, well, seems beneath you. Maybe it seems insignificant to you now. I want you to know that the attitude that you take towards doing that 
is key to promotion. Remember Psalm 75 tells us that promotion comes not from the east or the west or the south, but promotion comes from, from above. It's God who sets one down and lifts up another. And let's remember that when we're doing everything for the Lord, it might seem like, man, I'm not really doing what I think I should be doing. I want to go do more. I want to go further. The Lord is watching. And the Lord is paying attention. And as you do it heartily, with all your heart as unto the Lord, you are preparing yourself for a glorious and great future. I know uh, that when I was in my early, earlier days in ministry, when I was in a supportive role and I was, I was a youth pastor for quite a few years, I, I didn't treat that, that, that job and that ministry I had as, as just, well, I'm just kind of biding my time, putting in the work putting in the hours until someday, you know, I can start a church of my own and, you know, be, a, be a, in a senior pastorate position. I didn't treat it that way at all. I know my heart was from day one and uh, basically that this is where God has me. This is what I'm doing now. Say, did you know that you would probably do something else later? I had some strong inklings that God wanted me to do some things, but I didn't know at the time if it would be 20 years from then or 30 years or 40 years, and that was irrelevant because I knew I was on God's clock and not on my own, and I had to, had to do what He had me do then, and because of that, I set myself in a position where I gave my whole heart, and I preached my heart out to the, in the beginning days when I first got in, I came out of Bible school, and I, uh, I was offered to at the a church to do the youth ministry you know the church was 60 people when we started it wasn't you know grew over the years a great deal it's, and we had held our first youth meeting and there was four so what did you do i gave them everything i had preached to him with all my heart gave my life to poured out i prayed in the spirit and i prayed hard and strong and fervent and it grew to six praise god <laughs> And over the years, grew to, grew you know quite a bit, and 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 reached many people. But uh, but some of those days, it might have seemed small. And this is not my vision, man. I I came out of school wanting to win the world, wanting to win the world for Jesus, and here I am in Podunk, and we were meeting in a Y, and uh, in a back room, and yikes, it was anything from all the world. But as someone's faithful where they're at. And they hit the ground and keep hitting until God says stop. He's going to give victory. And he's going to give promotion. He's going to give increase. We've got to believe uh, that God can do anything in us and through us. And we've got to give everything that we are and everything we have to where we're at. Come on. Let God open up opportunities and, and bring new direction when the time is right. But in the meantime, don't give a half-hearted effort to anything that you do. Ultimately, how many know we all work for the Lord? We're told to work as unto Him, but, you know, we really do work for Him. That really helps us in this regard. Because, uh, listen, if you, uh, you know, if you work for somebody else, whether you're talking about here at the church in a volunteer capacity, whether you're uh, talking about your job, whatever you do, you're working for somebody else. Sometimes there are some people out there that are kind of uh, not very nice. There's some rude employers. <laughs> There are some people in positions of authority and government and all kinds that are just really not very nice and they don't treat, their, they don't treat people right and, and sometimes people will, will have a bad day and they'll take it out on you. But how many know it will change the way that we approach everything we do if we do what we do as unto the Lord? How many know that in, even in the marriage relationship the, the, the wife is to submit to her husband as unto the Lord but sometimes he's a jerk? 
That's why you got to bring the Lord. <laughs> it's really bad when he's sitting next to you, huh? <laughs> and, uh, but how many know, in order for a, for a wife to ever respect her husband, like Ephesians 5 says to respect him, she's got to do it as unto the Lord. Because there's no husband that's going to get it right every time. And, 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 uh, and do, but still, the requirement of the calling is still there. And, uh, and we need to show the respect and honor. But bringing the Lord into the picture helps us to keep our attitude right where it's supposed to be. And God is watching all these things. Uh, I know this, to be, a highly, to be highly successful in any endeavor in life, you must have a wholehearted commitment to it. And so, sometimes people look at those who've really excelled in life. And we sometimes look at professional sports as people who've just really excelled physically. And, and what I've come to see from many testimonies and interviews is that some of these guys that we respect and people in, in professional sports that are just outstanding at what they do, they work their butts off. And uh, I, I, I was reading about, um, uh, well, we th- you think of golf. Who do you think of these days? think of Tiger Woods. He's considered by many to be possibly the greatest of all time, and he's still a young guy, and uh, he's accomplished great things at his, at his age. And I was reading about, about Tiger Woods, and, and uh, he's estimated to hit over 800 balls in each practice session. It, the article I read said he's known to spend hours a day working on his short game hours a day and you think wow these golf guys man these pga guys they've got it made and certainly he's you know he's got it made to many degrees but it's not like he sits around on his on his couch all week long shows up on friday for a tournament goes in there and shoots you know 20 under par walks away with another million dollars or something and that's that's his life no he's gotten to where he is certainly he has natural talent he's got some physical ability but he works his rear end off and, and, uh, and gets it done and get, gets good at what he's, he's doing. You know, we think of, uh, you know, in, in the NBA, uh, Kobe Bryant's one of, the, one of the most outstanding basketball players. And, uh, and people look at his talent and the, some of the things he can do. But what I've read about him and his worth, work ethic is, is very similar to that of some other stars. That uh, he, he was asked about his, you know, what he does working out and keeping in shape and, and, and playing basketball. And they asked him, you know, when he goes out and shoots, like how many, how, how much does he do? Like shooting jumpers and all that. He said about, you know, seven to 800 makes a day. <laughs> That's not counting the ones he misses. (laughs) And you think, wow, you know, and people are impressed. And certainly, again, there's some talent there. He's found his niche, found his gift, his place, as far as what he does well. But he's not just taking it for granted, saying, you know, I'm I'm pretty good. Made the NBA, got a good salary. I can just kind of kick back. And no, that can't be the attitude that we have, especially now towards the kingdom especially towards the things of God. We don't have it. Well, I'm saved now. I'm good. I'm going to heaven. I know, but this is God we're serving. This is his floor we're cleaning. You know what I'm talking about? Really, my life belongs to him. And so what I do for him, I want to do it heartily. I want to do, as the other translation said, with all my heart so that uh, the Lord will uh, get the most out of me. I I remember a friend, a close friend of mine growing up, you know, we played sports together, and we played uh, played baseball, and and he was always ahead of me, in the sense. That, I mean, I was I was decent, 
at, when playing in playing baseball. But this good friend of mine, he was, he was one of those people you would call a natural. And uh, it, you know, the day when I thought I'd do good, I'd do good you know, I remember one game, one, one day, we were playing another team in Idaho. And uh, he, oftentimes, he and I, in the batting order, we were back to back. But he, he looks at me and he said, and the bases were loaded. He said, I'm going to hit it out. Oh, and so he got up and did. And then later the same game, same scenario happened. He said, I'm going to do it again. <laughs> you know what he did? He did. I don't mean he could do that every time, but he had a skill, and he, he got up there, and he knew he could hit it out at that time. He had two grand slams in the same game. Say, so he went pro, didn't he? He was lazy. And he'll, he'll acknowledge it to you today. And he's, he, I've talked to him about it. He has a son that's similar. Where one of his sons, you know, is kind of like, more like everybody else. Then he's got a different son that is just good at sports. As good at baseball. Yet he wants to just kind of kick back. Because he can be as good or better than most everyone else without giving it much effort. Without trying, without putting a whole lot into it. Those kind of, see, there's situations like that where people have some ability and got some God-given ability and they can excel far if they'll do it heartily, if they'll do it as unto the Lord. This is a talent from God. I'm going to maximize this. I'm going to let God be glorified in this and I'm going to give it everything I've got. And so a lot of that, it's an attitude. It's a, it's a position that we take where we're going to uh, not just well, here's a word I like to, uh, I was thinking about. We don't just take a casual attitude toward kingdom activities. Like I said earlier, many today carry a whatever mentality towards important things. And really what this reveals is a faith deficiency. I, I was looking, I, I just looked up the word casual as that word was in my heart. Uh, I look, just looked up in the dictionary and it said, relaxed and unconcerned made or done without much thought or premeditation done or acting without sufficient care or thoroughness and I know this that in our day many people enjoy being casual and what we need to watch out is that any casualness on the outside is not stemming from a casualness of heart. I cannot have a casual approach to the kingdom. I must not take an approach to God's things like relaxed and unconcerned, made or done without much thought or premeditation. But I got to tell you, that happens all day long with people and how they serve God. They don't hardly give it much thought. They, people, you know, hold on, if this sounds a little bit hard right now, but we'll get nice in a minute. People come to church, and they never really thought about it much before they came. They, I mean, five minutes before, they thought, I'll throw this on, throw that on. Never gave a word, never, never prayed, never gave any thought as far as uh, what I, how I can be a blessing to somebody else or what I'm, gonna, I'm supposed to receive from the Lord today. It's just kind of, we just showed up. And people live their lives that way concerning the things of God. Too casual. Too casual. I don't want to have a casual approach without taking sufficient care or thoroughness. This should never be my approach to the Lord. 
Let me show you two, two scriptures in closing. Uh, Mark chapter 4 is the first one. Mark chapter 4. So he's saying we shouldn't dress casual. I'm not, I'm not giving any kind of rules or laws. I'm saying let not casualness be something that's in your heart towards the things of God. We're not getting into some religious form where we just conform to an outward image. That's not what it's about. It's about your heart towards God that we take serious, that we give attention to. We give forethought to His business. And His relationship in our lives takes pre- pre- preeminent, a preeminent place above everything else and so you know back to our one of our first scriptures about the prophet and about the king striking the ground three times it's important that we understand how that can play out in our lives that it's the attitude of our heart that many times will determine what God is going to give us what he is limited or able to do in our lives in, in Mark chapter 4 and verse 24 424 and he said to them Jesus speaking said take heed what you hear For with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you, and to you who hear, more will be given. Notice that phrase, with the same measure that you use, it will be measured to you. In other words, what God gives to me is totally dependent on the measure that I use. In this case, hearing. It's, it's a totally different ballgame between one person and another as to how much they hear what God is saying. And it's the amount that they give to it that they get out of it. Look, look at Luke 6. Just two pages over if you have a Bible like mine. Oh, no. Uh, it's a book over. A book and two pages over. (laughs) Sorry. I looked and it wasn't there. Well, Mark and Luke, they sound so much alike. (laughs) Luke 6 and verse 38 says, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Same terminology, same language there. What is the, de- the, the determining factor by which God measures things back to us? It's the measure that we use. If I use big measure, God uses a big measure. But what God is able to do in me is up to me. Say, so God can do whatever he wants to do. God does not do in us beyond the measure that we use. Come on, if you want a lot, hit the ground a lot. When God says jump, you know, jump. He says strike, keep striking. Keep hitting the thing until he says, okay, that's good. That's good. If he says, you know, whatever, whatever he has for us to do, that is the attitude and the approach that we must take so we can take the limits off of God and off of ourselves and off of everything that he has for us. Amen. We'll pause there and pick up next week. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you today. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your goodness. And for what you have in store for us, for what you've said to us today. Lord, we, we give ourselves fully to it. Ears to hear. Eyes to see. 
Lord, may your fullness and your best be accomplished in us today, this year, this coming year. Lord, we don't want to sacrifice your best just for what's okay, what's, what's good, what's average, what's normal, what's acceptable by most. Lord, we want the very best. And so we purpose in our hearts today to approach your kingdom, to approach your plan, to approach all that you desire to do in us and through us. We approach it heartily with all of our heart unto you. Thank you for helping us, for giving us the strength that we need, for giving us the wisdom and direction. You've called us out of darkness into light. Lord, you're able to do all things well. And so we get our, we're getting over on your turf today. We're going to think like you think. We're going to approach life as you would have us to approach it with the limitless possibilities of who you are and what can be done. We give you all the praise, all the glory. Father, I pray for those today who have never been born again. By chance there are some here this morning.